from thereabouts, this is Ramble, hosted by myself, Angus, and my little bro, Lachlan. Before we get stuck in, yes, we have Master Mixer, Mix Master Ben, on the case and have fixed the levels on this episode so it won't explode your car speakers. That was my bad for rushing the previous episodes out. But for real, I wanted to say how appreciative we are of all of the positive feedback we've been receiving from many of you for both this show as well as last week's mix by Taylor Finney, Scapes, and of course, Outspoken. It's really, really lovely and genuinely moving to hear and see the support from you all. The number of people who have signed up to become members uh, has also far exceeded our expectations. So again, another thank you. Lots of thank yous happening right now. If you do want to get behind us and you're wondering what this membership thing is, well, go to our website. Uh, It's a ghost subscription. Works much in the same way as Patreon does. If you're familiar with that, there are several different tiers. Choose the one that suits you the best. Oh, and also, for those of you frothing on the music for this episode, we hear you and we plan to have some more OG beats from Rocky in the future. Exciting stuff. All right. All right. Let's get on with it. Welcome to Ramble, episode three. Yeah, like from when I got there till when I left, it was just absolutely flood out. Yeah. Uh, that's just how it goes. <laughs> right. It was a good weekend though. It was fun. It, it was, was fun. fun. Tell me, um, well, I mean, I guess we're talking about it now. Tell me about that. Tell me about the race. Like what did you come out for and then, and then like how did it go <laughs> for the 50 minutes? Yeah, so it was the... The Sea Otter mountain bike, I can't remember what it was actually called. The Fuego 80K. <laughs> I think that's what it's called. <laughs> you just name. <laughs> um, yeah, it was very hot. Um, and it's like the first of the Lifetime Series races, or it was the first of the Lifetime Series races. And it's part of the Sea Otter Classic. Classic? Expo. Expo. We never got to the bottom of what Expo is short for. Exposition? Exposure. Um, exposure. I don't think it's exposure. <laughs> it's got to be short for exposure because it's like you go to an expo to expose like your products <laughs> to the world, right? Expose it. Yeah, no, it's kind of creepy, but uh, I think that's it. It makes sense. Yeah, I, I think it's exposition. Anyway, let's get we'll get to that after the this. story. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right, right. But yeah, it's just an eighty k mountain bike race, and I was coming from um, Europe mm-hmm. for it, <laughs> so it was um, it was like three flights for no, almost three flights for every hour of racing. <laughs> I think <laughs> uh, no, two two flights two flights every hour of racing. Um, but yeah, I I kind of like. I 
knew it was going to be super busy when I got there. And so I was like, I could either be like tired from the flight or just tired from um, standing around at the expo. So I came in quite late <laughs> and got there. Um, what day did I get there? Thursday, late Thursday night. And the race was on Saturday morning. And so it wasn't like not ideal, but it was fine. Um, but the course started, you started on Laguna Seca and you, you so there was two 40k laps and the course was like not overly technical, pretty fast, but like lots of single track um, that meant like you can't pass. And you went into the first single track section after like um, a K, maybe just a bit over a K. And it was very difficult to move before that. Um, and I lined up very late. <laughs> um, and we were like doing a little warm up and then like I had one interview with Boz and then I ran into Al and then I was chatting to Al and then I was like, I better go over to the start. Like I, people are probably warming up and I got there and there was just like a hundred people on the line. And um, <laughs> man, a few people let me like, squeezed past but we we started really far back um and then yeah made the most of the first k to move up like as much as i could but was still probably like 30 to 40 riders back coming into that first single track section and then um beyond who's a, you know beyond like yeah used to live in boulder mate of ours he was on a gravel bike um and hit the first single track section it was just going backwards it was in front of us and just this huge gap opened up um <laughs> so from that moment it was basically like um i think deep down i already knew i was like i'm never going to see that front group because you could see them like disappearing um but i like went super deep to try and I was like straight after that, we got around beyond and then um, we got caught up behind uh, Colin Strickland and yep. then he like let Housie through and Housie came into the next corner super hot and um, just, just um, <laughs> he said he over-cornered or something, overturned or something. I can't remember the term he used. Um, but he just, <laughs> he binned it big time and then um, – so then, yeah, I was just like chasing and uh, never like just slowly came through guys and then kind of by the time I got up to the second group, um, took me probably 20K, 25K to get into like the second group proper. I'd gone super deep to get there and then it was kind of like we just sat at like 30 seconds behind the front group for like the next lap and a half <laughs> um, until – like they all started racing and then, yeah, I'd already used my legs. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the race. Like, And I finished uh, 11th, which was fine, like good. I mean, I was like happy enough. Um, but it was just – it was slightly frustrating initially to be like I came all this way and didn't really get the race out that I thought I had in me. Mm. Um because I raced the weekend before at the Girona mountain bike like challenge and I was like surprised myself with how well I was going. Um, so I was like, oh, I could do something here. But 
anyway, that's just how it unfolded. <laughs> you get that. Um, and Keegan smoked everyone, which um, I think we saw coming, but it was a great event. I think like it's going to be, it's got me like super fired up for this series. Like it's a, it's a proper race series and like it's super competitive and um, I think all, all the events are going to be super fun. So it was cool to to get it started and like kind of see what it looks like, you know. Yeah, and and tell me then like who else, like who in front of you do you know is part of the series or like is this race a write-off um, or do you get point, like how do the point, points work? <laughs> So after after the race, how does he explain the point? How the point system works to me, um, because like to be honest, it's like for the first race, it, you're just going to race as hard as you can, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't really. I was like, I, I don't really need to understand this point system just yet, um, and I mean that's probably how I will approach every race. But there's thirty guys, thirty girls, um, and you basically get the amount of points as to where you finished. So right. Keegan got one point and I got nine points because two of the people who finished in front of me weren't in the series. Um, and then if you like... So points are finish, bad you essentially. Got 30, 30 points, yeah, and you want the lowest amount of points possible. Um. And then you can drop one round, like you can drop your worst round um, or skip an event. But, um, yeah, so I'm on nine points, uh, which is I think it's a cool format because it's like very simple mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to keep the racing really tight. You know, like someone who's always kicking around like that top five, Um will still be like super in the game even if they never get a win. If like the person who's leading, you know, has one bad race where they have a mechanical or crash or flat um, and... Yeah, right, like rewards consistency. Finish 30th, you know. Yeah, rewards consistency, exactly. Because if you like kook two rounds and win everything else, rest, you, you still yeah. pickled. You're still going to have. Whereas, like if you finish like fifth every round, somewhere. yeah, yeah, yeah interesting. Twenty-five. So, it's a cool, it's a cool format. Um, and the next round is Unbound. When's which is Unbound? A big one. Um, uh, start of June. Actually, that's not that far away. Yeah, it's coming up. Um, like, what's that? Uh, Two weeks and a bit. Weeks? Three weeks. No, no, start of June. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah, we got May in between April and June. Yeah, like, yeah. Too glitching. Yeah, so. we got all the May. It's like, what? Um, yeah. So I hang out, I'm hanging out here uh, until the end of uh, April, <laughs> starting to the start of May. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to the US and I'm going to do La Ruta. The mountain bike race in Costa Rica, and then oh yeah, do Unbound. Um, but yeah, did you watch? Um, it was uh, <laughs> Did you watch Tour of Flanders? Uh, 
I did watch Tour of Flanders. Um, I'm blanking on who won. Matthew Vanderpoel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what's yeah, his that name? Was crazy. Was going to come second. Pogacar. Pogacar was wildly strong. Right. Um, watching them right away, like the last time up the, the not the camel. Uh, I don't even know the climb. The one they did three times. Yeah, the main climb um, at the end. They were so good. And then that next climb, like it was just in like the way they rode up the last climb when Podjka was like just on the front trying to ride Vanderpoel off the wheel. It looked like I don't think I could go there fresh and be able to hold the wheel. They're doing that after like <laughs> 240 Ks. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Right? Um, and I'm and then, I'm interested and to then hear watching like, the sprint from the beginning, I mean from the top. Right. Right? Like like Vanderpoel, he's been in that situation. Is it, I think that was the third time. I want to say. Yeah, in three years. He's like let but he's ridden that sprint like with one other person, I think. Right. It could be it looked just like a mirror image of the last two times, I'm pretty sure. At least once before. But like he leads yeah. out right hand side of the road and then watches left. And this time he really like just slowed the pace up. <laughs> like he didn't lead Fully. out. Fully. He didn't they, they dropped like twenty or thirty seconds in that last bit. Yeah, because like he's been I mean, last time he was beaten there by Askren, I think. Yeah. Because he kind of, I think he wound it up too fast. And then, like, there was just too much of a draft. So he slowed right up. And then Van Baal and the other guy got on. I'm not sure who that other guy even was. Um, yeah. The, the FDJ. But they were coming dude. with such speed. Yeah. And then Vanderpoel kicked, like, as they got there. And like from the front, it just you couldn't really tell, but from the top, you you just saw how like his his kick was insane, and like he kicked so fast, he just like immediately was at the same speed, speed. As them. yeah. And then Podjakar couldn't quite match it, and then got boxed in, mm-hmm. and then yeah, Vanderpol won. But um, it just it blows my mind to watch these races, like the ability. On show at the moment is like it's psycho. I don't know if I've ever seen it before. I would agree, and that's like I have like I'm wondering because it seems like like Pogacar right won the tour twice, like won kind of everything. Uh, yeah, that that you would expect someone like him to win, but then you wouldn't expect him, traditionally speaking to be good at the Tour of Flanders, but most of those guys, I guess, never show up there. Yeah. Like, and I was having this conversation with a friend of mine about like, is it, because you're seeing, you know, Vanderpoel, good at cyclocross, good at mountain bike, good at Tour of Flanders. Um, yeah. Same with Van Ert. Is it like, like why is that all of a sudden? Is it because training has just gotten so the science has gotten so precise that like they've essentially worked out that the things that make you really good in the crunch point of like a mountain bike race and a cyclocross race and the Tour de France are essentially the same system. And so you can like 
get good at training that and you can kind of be good at everything or is no, there more to I think it? it's like they're getting, I mean, there's obviously a, like a high degree of natural ability, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the guys who do it really well, like Van Art, you know, Van Der Poel, Peacock. Yep. Um, they have like amazing bike handling, handling ability. So that's like you're never going to have like like I think if like Podcast amazing on the road bike, I'm not sure he could jump into a mountain bike race right the same way these other guys could straight away. I'm sure if he did it for a year, he would be competitive yeah, for sure. But for sure, these other guys, I think they always have ridden numerous bikes and numerous disciplines. So like the skill element is intact. Yep. But then I think physically. They've gotten so good at quantifying what the demand is. And like when you have athletes with ability who are like super trainable, you can just train the demand, you know? So like And it's like that kind of you can kind of be like, all right, I'm gonna do a six week block. Yeah. To like focus on Flanders. Talking about like like mountain bike stuff, I remember hearing about like I think it was Peacock, like they were talking about like the the RPM like demand like road road riding is way more torque based, um, right? But then like training that ability to like kind of like spin up all the time. I think that's the way I yep. understood it. <laughs> um, and then like also they're like, okay, well we can use the when we can use the torque, we're going to be able to hurt people who are pure Who'd, mountain bikers. Yeah, right, right. Um, and I think that like ability to be like, okay, we have four weeks until Flanders now, like after, or six weeks to Flanders after winning the, you know, world cyclocross championships, they can shift that focus really quickly and then train very specifically and then use what they built that like also works for road racing, but then focus on on other stuff um i think that's it right because that so that makes sense actually it's kind of the opposite of what i was thinking but if i think but it's like like, very quantifiable now right so they can look at someone's power file and work out what they could this is a race winning power file like yeah what is the demand what do we need to be able to what do i need to be able to do to win that race like what what ability do i need to have and then work from there right Um, or like what ability like what did it take to win that race and then how can we essentially exploit the weaknesses of that to suit us yeah exactly in a sense because because i remember like Like if you look at the way like podjica raced in flanders like they took it on super early tried to make it like more a bit more attrition it seemed From watching um so that like experience would play less of a role i think i would imagine like so that like okay we can yeah, make these sure. like we make the efforts slightly longer maybe a little less sharp and like try and negate that like okay i know where to move up slot in here and then 
I can make this like two minute effort and then the road will be blocked. I think that's kind of how they went about it. It still doesn't make it like any. It's I assume this is how they're doing it, right? They're yeah. Not like, <laughs> because you watch it and still it's just like you look at like Ojika on the the Wednesday race and like I think that was his first real classic. Yep. And he was strong as hell, but like used his legs in all the wrong times and like kind of got caught out and just like showed inexperience. Still had a result that anyone else would be like super happy with. But um But it didn't look like he was gonna that, get was like, okay, second the next or like ha- nearly nearly. Yeah, but he obviously just learned like he had the ability there and then that that one experience, he's like, okay. Either I, I've learned like X, Y, and Z, and then now we have to play the race this way if I'm going to be able to win. Um, but the insane thing for me was it's like he was racing like like purely to win. <laughs> you know, in like his first Flanders, like crazy. Just like right. the the confidence in his ability. He's like, okay. Like he had – I think they had Trenton pulling on the front. Um before Who's like could he went. potentially win himself. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like that's like, yeah, it's just amazing. Which I guess, I mean, that makes sense, you know, like all in. And he did go all in. Yeah, like totally. I feel like, you know, you can't criticize. And I think he's like gone all finish. in so many times and paid off that like he's just like, okay, this is how I do it. I guess right, and you everyone's know? like, "Yeah, why would we? Why would we not believe that this is going to work?" Yeah, exactly. Because like nine times out of ten, he does it. Um, right. I mean, the crazy thing is, it's like, what was that? The race he was doing just before that, um, Torino, like very different style of racing. Um, like he was obviously climbing super well on the longer climbs and like beating everyone that way and then turn to turn that like into nearly winning Flanders like a couple of weeks later. It's yeah. yeah and and that's like I guess that that's like where my interest in this was like or like my sort of thinking was like you know are is Flanders and Tirreno Adriatico like more similar than yeah sure you, we would kind of you would think if you were to look at the two because you're like well one's one day one's seven days one's got mountains in it one doesn't you know whatever yeah. but really I like think it, could, it could also just be like the high level of general fitness in the bunch makes races like makes the demand closer maybe more the same yeah um like like because the races are all so hard that like the cream comes to the top a lot more than it used to when like we weren't just racing like full speed all the time, you know? So like maybe now because it's like we just race super hard. Yeah, you could have like a a huge amount of skill on the cobbles. Yeah, and that could get you further. Right. Maybe then like now it's just kind of like, Podcast got like the biggest engine by <laughs> by a long way it seems, and that can get him to the front in like 
most races. Yeah. Which makes sense. Um, yeah. Is that a good or a bad thing, do you think? I, I think the racing's really exciting, so I think it's a good thing. Um, I think, like, I don't know if it, like, well, I would say, like, it makes it more predictable, but it's still, like, good to watch, you know? Like, they the guys always right. take the race on so far out now. <laughs> and they're just like yeah it's like exciting from like 100k to go like favorites just attacking with like 80k to go um exactly and you get like you know you kind of find yourself watching the race further and further back like the replay to see what happened because you're like wow if you turn number 20k to go it's like the race has exploded into a million pieces and you're like what happened yeah what this like five um, things have happened yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've been um, I've been watching a lot of racing, and that it's been it's been like an exciting classic season. Yeah, it was I've, a shame that Van Art wasn't on the start line for Flanders because that would have made that even more interesting. Because I think you would have had three at the finish, you know. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. And he's like all three of them, but slightly different styles of rider as well. Yeah. So like. That would have played exactly. out slightly differently, I think. Yeah. But, I mean, also Vanderpol coming from, like, however many months out he he was. like Yeah, right. Like, that was crazy. racing. Yeah. I think that just also took, like, the trainability now. Like, people can identify what they need to compete, like, a lot easier than being like, okay, I, I need to get race fit, so I need to race. Well, now they're like, okay, I can look at what the race demand is and I'll just replicate that in training. Yeah, exactly. So I have a question for you then. Yeah. Like, and I think about this, you know, I guess we sort of touched on it, but like, so think about when, you know, Armstrong came along and started winning his tours and he essentially, the way they approached the race, you know, they sort of approached it in a way that would suit Armstrong's characteristics. So they would take yeah, it on early. They would like dictate the race in to be like, okay, we're going to do it this way. Exactly. And it really changed the way that everybody races. And we're sort of still, well, it's kind of in the last few years changed, but for a good, you know, decade and a half, everyone else really tried to sort of mimic that way of racing, right? And yeah. so, so my question is like, do you think that there's a way, you know, like, okay, everyone trains essentially pretty closely in the same way yeah. as each other. They sure. eat the same shit, you know, this knowledge yeah, that everyone's efforts. gaining. Like I wonder yeah. if there's a way to just like change that. Is there room for that? Right. Or is it, too, is, it, is it so hyper-focused now that it's just like, you know what, like short of, well, even a format change clearly probably wouldn't really affect who's winning because we're seeing guys win hour-long races and six-hour-long races. Yeah. Um, like is there a, you know, like room for someone to come um, along and do something, Terry? Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe. Like I would love to just say yes, there is. Um, but I don't know what that would look like. Like... I guess there's potential yeah. to like 
I mean, the only way to do it would be like, as you said, like to dictate the race, um, but in a way that no one else is prepared for, you know? So to look at like. Yeah. Like imagine if they were just doing like. The regular format of the race where it's like, okay, we race hard, break goes, slowly chase them down, race the final. If, if you had a team that was like strong enough to flip that script. Um, but it's diff- that would be very difficult. Yeah, because then you, I guess um, too, you're not just racing against like it's like your – how many guys are even in a race? Seven guys, eight guys are racing against the yeah. rest of the yeah, rest who of are like all racing the peloton. In, in a very similar way. But, I mean, it still happens. Like occasionally teams will do something crazy. I feel like Movistar at the Vuelta are good for that. Yeah, Movistar are always doing crazy stuff, which I I think it annoys a lot of riders because it's unpredictable. But I kind of like their style, you know. Um, Like there was one year, I can't remember which year it was. It was when I was professional and it seemed like every single race you do, it was like they had this one rogue season where they were just always attack on the the downhills. (laughs) Like they were just... Like just some random downhill, like in the middle of the race, and you'd be like, "Oh wow, it's getting pretty hard back here." And they're like, "That's pretty strung out." And you come out the bottom of the descent, and it's in like seventeen groups. We start, we start just riding like, you know, super fast. Um, yeah, I thought that was everyone's sick too. kind of cottoned onto that, and then everyone just like starts to like. Now everyone moves up at the top of every climb, you know, because like it's yeah. just ingrained. They're like, oh, movie star might do something. Whereas before it was like, oh, it's just a downhill in the middle of the state. Like nothing will happen here. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to like – I think like that's what's exciting to me about like say this Lifetime series, right? Yeah. Because there's no there's no real teams. I think there's a few people with teammates like kind of race together, but it's kind of like it's it's like 30 individuals more or less and there's no real script to how the race is going to go. Um, right. And each race could be like very different, right? Um, and that like that's that's exciting to me and I think that's what, what makes it like – the potential for it to be really exciting because there's not like there's no one team who can dictate the race to suit a certain type of rider. Like if a certain type of rider wants to make the race go his way, he has to have the ability or like courage to take it on his way. Um, So that makes it like interesting, you know. Because it's yeah. like it's easy to look at like say the race on the weekend and be like that Keegan was the overwhelming favorite, right? Right. But he still had to make the race happen. Um, he couldn't have like four guys to line it up from the beginning there and be like, all right, let's make it really fast in this um, where it's technical and then like we can punch these climbs like in a way that it's okay, we're going to like – thin the field out. It's like, no, he had to like go and then get a group of guys together who were all committed and then they raced hard and then like kept other people out of the race. So then 
it got to a situation where he could win and that's why I think the margins were tighter than they would normally be. Like he, in the end I think he won by 20 seconds. Um, right. When in my mind he could have like if he had a, a race dictated exactly how he wanted, he probably could have beat everyone by more. Um, Interesting. So I think like and it's going to get like people are going to have to start thinking, right, because there's I think at the moment like the top five or six are all mountain bike guys. Um, so it's going to take like some of the guys from a road background to start thinking, okay, we need to make sure this race plays out when we have like a race like Unbound, like, okay, how are we going to make this suit us our abilities? You know, how do I take this on? Um, and, you know, it could be something crazy, you know, like someone attacking at the start of a 200-mile race, you know, or like, it, I mean, there's, there's the opportunity for so many different things to happen. Yeah, you just made me think of something actually because – so, like, why does, say, a game of basketball continually produce or a game of NFL or any sort of team sport where it's one versus the other? You know, they continually, like, if not regularly, certainly, like, you know, semi-regularly, there's, like, the possibility of some sort of, like, great upset, right? And each game, you know... There, well, there's a certain level of competition where each game, you know, will be a little bit unpredictable and there'll be something interesting that happens. And I guess because, like, despite the fact that there's an entire league, each team is only ever – you're only ever playing against one other team. So, like, the, the on-the-day factor is far greater. Whereas, like, let's say, for example, in Tour of Flanders, there's enough – riders and and racers who race against each other often enough and the teams are strong enough and robust enough that any one person not having a great day won't necessarily influence the overall right. trajectory of a race because there's enough inertia amongst the 180 guys whereas if it's just one-on-one right which yeah. which in a sense is kind of how this lifetime series is because it's like the yeah, if you show up and have a bad day. That could completely change not only your race but like everybody else's race because each person is only an individual. And so if yeah. they're relying on you to be good that day because they're like, oh, well, I know this guy rides like this. I'm going to like position myself around Position them, myself or... in that sense and then they're having a shit day. Yeah, sure. And then all of a sudden your race is impacted and that's the entire thing. So that's that's interesting actually, yeah. I think that's a – I hadn't really thought about it in that way necessarily. Um, yeah, I've, I've just been thinking about it like since the race, you know, um, because it's like it brings out like that competitive kind of spirit in you and you start to think about you're like, okay, like what can I do in this? Like and there's so much room to like create your own the way you, you're going to ride it. You know, because it's like you have no obligation to another teammate. You have no obligation to any other rider. Um, essentially, you're just like you. I choose my equipment. Like even your equipment choice, right? Like 
Yeah, well, I mean, clearly it plays a major role. Bjorn deciding to ride yeah. a gravel bike in a mountain bike race didn't play out in his <laughs> yeah. favor. Long shot. Exactly. Didn't work but out. But if you were coming into <laughs> Unbound and you're leading the series and you think you're thinking about like tie choices, um, like you're probably going to go more conservative, right? Like because you're like, okay, if I slash a tire, um, yeah, like it's going to hurt me. But if I ride like a heavier, slower tire, like okay, maybe it's going to hurt me like fighting for the win, but I can eliminate like possibilities of flatting and and, and I'm confident I can be around the mark. Um, Particularly given the way the points work too, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, And then you're going to have people on the other end of the scale being like, all right, well, I need to do something here. So I'm going to start to like take some risks, (laughs) you know, like whether that be strategy or equipment or like whatever, like um, it's going to, it's going to change like to people who have, start to have like nothing to lose. Um, Which then creates, yeah, because then that allows for the wild card. It's almost as if last time I've really thought about this. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think I know. like you're right because then towards the end you'll have people going, well, who cares? I'm just going to run like the craziest setup I can and try this rogue move. And there's potential yeah. for it to work out. It's like, because, okay, like, I'm just going to ride a road bike at Big Sugar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it might just because play I out. need to take the risk. Or you're like, oh, I'm just going to ride a hardtail because, like, you know, I've got an, I've got like a big enough buffer that I just need to basically stay upright and around that top twenty. Like, um, and then you get smoked. Which yeah, yeah, and then there'll be a huge shuffle when everyone drops their worst round. <laughs> Which is also that also comes into play because you have to kind of be like looking at everyone else's scores and be like, well, if they drop around, yeah, like doing maths, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like to be honest, it's it's a more exciting um, series than I even thought it would be. I tell you what's brutal: the plane headphones. Oh yeah, like because it's like. They stitch you up because you have to have the little double, like who has the two the, like a set of double jack? Yeah, the two prong. No one has that, so you have to use their ones, and they're like so uncomfortable. It's like they go out of their way to make them uncomfortable, like because they had some intention of like selling an upgrade at some point, but then they just never came up with the upgrade. Right. Um, like you, like my ears get so sore. And I'm like, when I do long haul flights, it's like a competition for me now. I'm like, okay, I catch up on all movies now. And like, I have this time. You just plow through everything. And it's just me time. And I'm just going to watch as many movies as I can. Like, because if you sleep for like two hours, you always, you feel the same at the other end, right? Yeah. Like if you're in economy, you're not stretching out, like, unless you have a whole row, then I'll be like, okay, I'll commit to a sleep. But generally, I'm just like, okay, I'm just plowing through movies. And so I come out and your ears are just like bleeding. <laughs> it's like, and you have, I don't know if you've noticed, but you get this creep of like the volume creep. You start at like halfway down. And then as the flight goes on, it's like, 
I don't know if it's like they distort more as they go. I don't know if it's like your ears are starting to distort from like the poor quality audio or like the headphones are just built for like lasting for 10 hours, but you just slowly have to turn it up more and more. But it, it, gets, it gets louder, but you can't hear any better. And so by the end of the flight, I'm always watching with subtitles. And just like these flaring headphones. You're just fully blown out. <laughs> yeah, but I still just commit to it every time. It's always worth like buying a set of those <laughs> just to have. Like, dude, I know what I'm gonna do next time. I'm gonna like buy like 50 sets of them, sell them on the flight, and then when the plane, and then when the, and then when the they turn the seatbelt sign off, I'm just gonna walk around like get your headphones, premium <laughs> headphones, <laughs> or like midway through premium the flight, premium quality. Yeah, just like midway quality headphones. Yeah. You know, like they're a slight improvement. They're a slight improvement. Exactly. Like, yes, give me those things. I'm looking at the window now. I'm in uh, Andorra mm-hmm. and it's like the last week of skiing. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's people just persisting and there's this run that's outside the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and at this time every day, there's just like, it's like full snow, full snow, and there's this like sketchy downhill corner and it's like, it's just grass and dirt. <laughs> like, and you ski across the grass? Yeah, and it's like every day they go up and just put this tiny thin layer of snow on the top and by the, by the afternoon there's just like this huge line of skiers just like stood there and then like, and then like inevitably someone comes in super fast and just bins it and like it's just this whole thing and it's like I feel like whoever is like the the groomer must just sit down here at like between 4 p.m and like 5 when it closes and just sit there and watch because it's like it's a joke <laughs> this run is open it's so it's so funny like this morning it was just fully it was just raining you know like just full rain and there's all these people lined up to go like up the just lined up to go up the lift is like, it cold up there you must you must really love it um it's not super cold like it probably gets down to like three or four degrees at night but it's not like it's not cold enough to where the snow's gonna stop melting yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. Are you training up there? Or are you just up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like seven hour day on the bike today, actually. Seven um, hours? Yeah. Fuck that. I did like a I went down and did like a session with um some of the guys from the team. Oh yeah. But I had to ride from like the top of the hill down and around, so it was pretty long. <laughs> but um it's crazy, man. It's just like, like we had a team car and like, I was, like I was just uh, Simon Carr, Jonathan Casado, and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're getting ready for the Giro. Yeah. But still, it's not like, we're not like the three biggest riders in the world. you know and we've just got like a team car and like full race nutrition strategy and the guys are doing all these different efforts and you're just like wow no wonder everyone is so fast (laughs) you know because you're like this is like it's so pro 
So pro. And I was on my gravel bike. Oh, Christ. Like with the big tires. Man. You're just working hard. way harder. <laughs> like they're like, yeah, we had a hard so session. You're like, look at me. Yeah, but we are getting there also better. You yeah. Know, like they're better and it was harder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I had to ride all the way back up the hill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, recover. Oh, it was great. It was great. I love it. I was thinking about that like after watching um, like the Speed Project guy and we're like editing the film now and just watching like the number of people that are involved in supporting that sort of a like that sort of a thing and i don't yeah. know why it's only just it like it only just sort of dawned on me i think cuz it's like you know a lot of these footage is in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere so it's very like the contrast between like empty black night in the desert and then just like five people kind of huddled around this one person who's who's doing this effort yeah like so much goes into it yeah right I, I honestly don't know how i feel about it yeah it's funny it's like i don't know like uh it's cool like it, it's nice to have support right absolutely yeah but there's something really cool about like like our tiny little crew at Sea Otter. Mm-hmm. It was just Tom Hopper. Yeah, exactly. It was just Tom Hopper, Alex and I. But Tom's just like, and like, yeah, he's got like probably too much on his plate. <laughs> like yeah, he has to for sure. juggle. Like he's like doing logistics. He's like organizing the bikes. Like not just like servicing them, like getting all the parts from all the different places and getting the bikes there. And then like getting food for the race ready and stuff like so he's doing yeah too much but i don't know there's something nice about like just being low-key like that i think yeah it's 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 kind of like a nice it just like humanizes everything a little bit exactly because you're like way more in it and there's like yeah exactly you i guess you can see i guess so much of what happens i imagine at like big races and big teams is like there's all these people like behind behind the scenes that are like you know stuff just appears you like the bars are in the drawer on the bus the bus is clean like you know the you like your bags yeah and i mean you get to know everyone for sure sure. and like you you still make good relationships um but it's like you might not see someone who like you like really bond with for like a full tour, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have a Swanier who's like giving you an hour massage every day. Like you see them on the bus in the morning, straight after the stage, like, and a lot of the time, like during a race that you kind of end up like, like also leaning on them for like emotional support. Right. Right. And then, so you, you just get close with someone in a short period of time. Cause it's like a bit of a pressure cooker. Yep. But then you might not see them for like six months or something, you know? Or like you come back the next season and then you're like, oh man, they're on like a different team now. <laughs> That's you know? funny. It's like, like a weird thing where you see them in a different kit and you're like, what? Yeah, you're Why'd like, you oh, leave? What did or say? like you move on or like, you know, just, just things happen and it's like, um, I guess it's just like, 
it's just what's required for like running three programs at one time or whatever. Yeah. Like, but um, it is nice to like come way back to basics, you know? Yeah. And be like, like, oh, we're trying to scramble to get everything organized for Sea Otter and I'm like buying like stems online in Spain because you can't get them in, in America and like putting them in my bag and then I go past the service course and they're like, oh, can you like chuck this in your suitcase? And like, it's just all very like, um, I don't know, disorganized yeah. and, and, and hands-on and like a bit chaotic. And then like when you kind of all pull it off, you're like, oh, yeah, sweet. Like we did that, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I like it. And and even just that, you know, you just stay in like a motel and like you just, it's, it's very like. The motel bit's fun. Bikes. It's just in the motel room. Yeah, I love it. It's so. Like you just roll out the like, door and like. Cool. Put your shit in the car and go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then it's not like you get sent like a schedule of like, okay, this is when we leave, this is warm up, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, I guess we should go at like, I don't know. Seven? Yeah. <laughs> it's like seven? Seven? Okay, seven. Uh, Whatever that time was, was like 10 minutes too late, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's why inevitably you end up lining up very late. <laughs> 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 uh, that was all on me. <laughs> One last extra chat with Al. <laughs> Al. Good old Al. Al. What a legend Al is. I know. Oh, it was man. kind of fun seeing like, kind of fun. It was fun. Seeing all of those people, I, I hadn't seen like so many of them for, I guess because of COVID, but also just like being a bit out of the world. Yeah, I'm sure for you too, because you've been like out of, out of the race scene too. Yeah. It's also a lot too. You go back and it was funny, like I was doing that thing with Boz, uh, Ian Boswell, and, you know, he's asking, asking questions about whatever. And you start talking, you're like, oh, man, I actually haven't thought about this for a while. Yeah, right. And you're like starting to give this opinion and you're like, man, this is such an ill-informed opinion because I honestly haven't given this a second thought. And then, and then, yeah, and then you're just in it then. And then you're just like, yeah, right. you're like what I just told you, like, I don't know if that if I actually believe that because like that's like an opinion I had like years ago, but I haven't really thought about it since then. <laughs> sure. Uh, so that was like definitely. Do you, yeah. Do you ever miss it? Was it weird going to a race? Do you feel like? Did you feel like you wanted to do that? Like. So no. Would you like live the? I don't miss the um. The like racing part of it for sure. Like, going there and being. But what like, about that race? Like it's very different than. It's very different from like racing how we used to do it. You know? Yeah, I think like I would, I mean like I, I to go a probably better example is like when I was at, because people are, do ask, like they're like, oh man, do you like, you know, do you like miss it? And when you're at a race and most of the time the answer is no, but being at, um, being at the Cape Epic, like yeah, particularly like once we got going into it, a few days yeah. in, I was like, I would actually love to do this race. Um, and I think like from a my my point of view on, you know, like when I was racing, like the last thing I would want to do was like go and do a Grand Fondo or like, you know, right. like enter into a, 
enter into like an amateur race and just go and do it. But I like actually, like I would love to do that now if I'm honest. Like yeah. even the thought of going and doing, uh, what's that, um, Unbound. Like I, I, I could kind of like get excited for that. Get into that. I think. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, so I definitely like those sort of things. And then of course like some of the longer adventure stuff but but yeah but like from a, in a different way like it's i guess the thing that i don't like or the thing that i didn't miss about say for example being there on the weekend was like knowing everybody and and everybody knowing when i say everybody yeah, right. knowing like a yeah, lot yeah, of people and then having like that idea of like if i was just to turn up there like people would be like oh gus like you're back racing and and you're sort of like ah uh, not really. Like that's what I liked about going and doing schema yeah, races. Because okay. you're like, you you know, you're terrible at it. But there's no expect, like, but people expect you to be terrible at it. Yeah. And, you know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. you can kind of just like quietly like go and do your thing. And like, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, without I'm like, you have no expectation. No one else has any expectation. You can just like experience it for what it is. Yeah. And like, and there's like, no okay, doubt. That was fun. Right. And like, it doesn't matter how it went. Yeah, and I would you know? and I would get in there and I would be competitive for sure. Like that's the thing that would be fun. Would be like racing. Yeah. But like racing against whoever you're alongside, you know, back down in the group. Like that would be fun. And I think there's I've had enough time between when I was racing and now to like not get back in the race and then and then feel like I should be at the front of it to a degree. Yeah, right. So I think like that's the other thing that I think has disappeared now, which I could kind of like, you know, it's been long get enough. excited about was like I'm over the fact that like because for a while there, for example, that Girona race that we did like however many years yeah. ago now, like when we were in that, I was straight away like, oh, I need to be like at the front and I just like wasn't <laughs> fit at all and you're like, oh, I need to be like, good at this and like right. I wasn't and it just makes it hard it just yeah like your whole you're just disappointed the whole time you know yeah right so I think like that's gone yeah. away um but also too the other like the thing that I don't definitely don't have in me is like the training like you see how much people train right. and their dedication to it and like what like all the things that you have to think about <laughs> you know like yeah you sure. know, I'm just like, oh, damn, yeah. Like, I don't have the capacity to like. Yeah, but you don't have to. I, no, I exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, you're. I mean, yeah, you're a good example. But you just you rode for seven hours today. Like, I haven't ridden true. seven hours true, accumulative true. this year. Yeah. Anyway, the long and the short of it is too. I think if there's a goal, like maybe that's what I just need to to do is be like, okay, I'm gonna do like this one riding event this year. Um, and then just like go and do it. Yeah, you should. But you should do an ultra. You would love yeah, ultras. I think ultras. I think ultras would be good because you just sort of left because it's on. like yeah, like you get so much alone time and like the physical part of it is like the least important of all. Yeah, disciplines. You know. Yeah, it's kind of like. You can be competitive in so many different ways, um, which is just like interesting, you know. But ultimately, it's like it's not even 
a race. Like the people who race generally come apart. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like you're only ever against yourself. Yeah. Which I think that would be. Which is like a cool place to be in for like, and you're in it for long enough that you're like, like, you know, you can do like a short race, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're genuinely honest with yourself, like during it, you're like, I was kind of frustrated. I don't think I was actually, like, if you're in it at the time, you're like, oh, man, I just can't wait till this is over. Right. Or like, but it's short enough. And then you get to the finish and then you tell a few stories. And then, like, before you know it, you think you had a really good time. Yeah. <laughs> no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you never have to, like, deal with that, like, negative attitude ever. But in an ultra, it's like you have to, like, live with that. You can't, if you just, yeah, if you're in that negative space, it's like, it's just going to be horrible. So you're, like, forced to come around and, like, be like, oh, what is it that's making me feel negative? And you're like, what's right. going to draw positive from it? Until then, suddenly you're like, oh, wow, this was actually a really interesting look inside of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any ultras this year? Um, I'm going to do something for sure. Uh, I'd like to ride the Colorado Trail again. Yeah, right. Um, hopefully, I can make time for that this year. But I don't know. There's a few cool ones. I mean, there's so many now. It's mm. crazy. Um, but there's a few like on my radar that I, I just hope like the – timing works out for like that um the rhino run that new one in uh namibia looks really cool oh yeah um so i'm gonna try and make that work but i don't know like it's i'm getting to the stage now where i just have to be like all right i need to just cool it make a bit of time for myself yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah, i feel i feel that so um yeah, like, as so I love, because the thing is, I just love doing events. Yeah. You know? Like, there's a mountain bike stage race starting, like, not far from here tomorrow that's four days long. And on the flight home, I was just, like, so close to entering. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, so close. <laughs> and then I was just like, hang on a minute. Like, no, I knew it was Rachel's birthday on Friday. <laughs> but it was just like... It was this competitive element in me. I was just like, oh, I could make a day of it. Like, we could stay out there. And I was just like, dude, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Check yourself. So like the, a lot of the time when I think I'm just like, it's all self. Like when I'm like, oh, man, I'm so busy at the moment. And I'm just like, yeah, it's because you, you decided to do all of these things. It's like the things that you were required to do were like 10% and then you just put 90% on top of that. Um, right. But... Yeah, I'm trying to now, like, my schedule is so jam-packed up to, like, July that I'm just trying to be like, all right, let's just cool it for a bit and not commit to 10 things so that you don't get frustrated with yourself. <laughs> fully, fully. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I, I still have such of the mentality with work, like the same mentality that, I had when I was writing, which is like, oh, everything needs to move towards needs like everything you do in your life needs to be moving towards like work, 
like your goal, you know, like, cause it's easy to fall into that with writing. Cause you're like, well, each day you have a really clearly defined training session and then, and you sort of come out the other side and you're like, well, I'm working towards this race and everything needs to be done in order to move towards that. And I've just like, I do that. I do the same thing now. And people are like, oh, you know, like friends are like, oh, we should like go down to Mexico for the weekend because it's, you know, two and a half hours away. And I'm like, yeah, 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 that'd be great. I mean, great idea. And in my mind, I'm like, no. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. <laughs> but I'm like, but then yeah, I'm like, right. it should happen. Why not? Like, why should yeah, you like? totally. You have to like make time for those things. Right. And ultimately, it's always like productive, right? Because you probably go down there and you like have five new ideas just from thinking in a different right. way. Right, or you just like, days. exactly. Oh, for sure. Like that's the other side of it too is like I'm also like, you know, cognizant of the fact that those things are like important to do in the same way that like resting is important for an athlete. You're like, I'm aware of yeah. it. <laughs> I'm well aware. I'm well aware of it. But it's like you're also yeah. like something about not being able to bring yourself to do it. <clears throat> yeah, um, exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. But that my, uh, my goal for tomorrow, I want to ride to France to go to like a proper bakery. It's oh, and like get a baguette. Thing. Yeah. Because like I've just been hankering for one ever since last summer. And I think finally tomorrow I'm just like, look, I've got nothing I actually have to do tomorrow. So I'm just going to do it <laughs> just for me. Just me time. Go do an epic ride over to France and eat a baguette. Dude, I want, <laughs> there's probably a good French bakery here in LA. Oh, man, there's everything in LA. Right, there would yeah. be for sure. There is everything here. <clears throat> there's yeah. probably if one right got, in my house. If they've got flan in there, if you can get a... You can get a flan, then you know it's, it's a good one. You know it's a good one. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that shit. It might just be me projecting because I think that's just what I want. But um, yeah. Nice man. Well. All right, man. Good catch up. Good to chat. Uh, talk to you uh, next week. Yeah. We've got I'll- the uh, like. Five or six riders from the Armani team coming over. Oh, awesome. Ready for the tracker. They're racing on the track. No, the tracker. It's like this um, gravel race in Girona. Oh, right. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to stay with them for like nine, ten days and try and help them get as uh, prepared as they can for that. Oh, so awesome. We'll, Is Kenny going to be in from there? No, he's going to the uh, African Championships. I was talking to him yesterday. Oh, nice. Um, he's trying to com- uh, qualify for the Com Games. So, Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, I had a hell of a session for him today. So oh, really? Yeah, we got through that. <laughs> have, you been, have you been coaching him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, just like advising. I wouldn't say um, it's hard to be like, uh, super detailed and like accurate. It doesn't have like a access to a power meter or right. Also, just like life situation is very different. But um, I try and help him as much as I can for sure. Yeah, right. Nice. Well, that's cool. You'll be with the, the Armani guys. Is Mike? Is Mikel going to be there? 
Yeah, he's going to come over, I think, either just before the race or just after. But yeah, we'll cool. be able to catch up. Awesome. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I like those. I like those guys. Yeah, yeah, they're doing good things. Um, so yeah, I'll chat to you from there next week. That sounds good, man. Well, uh, say good day to Rach for me. Wish her a happy birthday. Her birthday's on Friday. I'll remember that now. Yeah. April 15th. On Friday. And, I, and I've cleared, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because the, the second I committed to not doing anything, I started to just like try and plan this crazy full day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm going for a hike up here, but one step here. Yeah. I was like, hey, just, let me just ask her what she wants to do and then we'll just do it. Yeah. 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 yeah it'd be good. Cool, man. All right, man. Take it easy. Yes. Yeah, All This week's episode was produced by Lachlan and I. It was executive produced by Isaac Carson and Abby Levine. And it was mixed, thankfully, by Ben Cranell. As I said before, your support has been overwhelming. If you haven't already and you love what you hear, please get behind us by becoming a member. You can do so on our website, on our Instagram, or at the link in the show notes, etc. Until next time, 